Tuesday the 19th. Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Tuesday the 19th of December, six days to Christmas and all that. I'm Tony Haggerty, at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, as you can see. And I'm joined today by the World Cup GOAT, sorry, World Cup Predictions GOAT, that is young Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Well done in your predictions, Aidan, I have to say that. Sterling effort, mines are in the bin and have been since the competition started, more or less. That's neither here nor there. How are you, Aidan? You good? You well? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, Tony, particularly after that introduction. I've got to say I'm, I'm even better <laughs> now. No, no, I'm good for you. Uh, you know, some of these intros are legendary getting, you know, so had to big up the goat there. Indeed, uh, we'll argue the toss about Maradona and Messi in another day, my good friend. But hey, there you have it. Now, I direct your attention, everybody, to the strap line running along the bottom. We've got a deal. We've always got a deal, haven't we, Aidan? And the deal is... There it is. It's the Merry Christmas deal. Had to flick up the slide there, Aidan. There you have it. And you can get 25% off for a limited time only. It's the Merry Christmas uh, festive deal that we've got going and that takes the yearly rate down to £26, which is an excellent deal for the year. Or if you join, you can get, you pay a pound and you get two months of unlimited access to everything that's written on the website. And uh, that's a good deal as well. Two good deal there, Aidan. And all you have to do is hit the button, which we encourage everybody to do every morning, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. So you can have the best of both worlds. It's a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the web, or you can have 25% off the yearly price, which takes that down to 26 quid. Excellent. And all you have to do, as I say, subscribe. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Brilliant deal, Aidan. That is, I think, good value for money. Yeah, of course. And as we always mention, in terms of the sort of content you get through that, you get sort of long-form feature stuff from people like yourself, Tony. Uh, you get tactics stuff, scouting pieces, uh, which will be very prevalent, I would imagine, given that we're moving towards the January transfer window. Uh, big interviews, etc. Obviously, uh, you recently spoke to uh, Martin O'Neill on that. So, yeah, there, there's plenty uh, for everybody in terms of diverse Celtic content. So get yourself involved if you're not already subscribed. Indeed. Now, Aidan got a cap on it's not an homage to your cap the other day it's just the fact that i've got plumbers joiners and butchers makers candlestick makers in my house i've no hot water i told them to keep the wi-fi on till at least 11 o'clock or else i'll uh, there'll be there'll be harsh words so there you have it but there's all sorts of things happening in my house downstairs so you might hear some noise so apologies for that but there you go so yes indeed now you guys spoke about the aberdeen game yesterday yourself and sean uh, I was missing, but just to throw my tuppence worth in, Captain Fantastical, I think you'll find a eh, back in the old routine. And I think you have to say, people talk about the best player in the Premiership, Scottish Premiership, even for me, it's Callum McGregor by a country mile. And he's the first name on anybody, any manager's team sheet, if they have them available. And I think Celtic are lucky to have a player like Callum McGregor and... He has taken to the captaincy role from Scott Brown like a duck to water and he showed his quality, true quality on Saturday. I thought he was absolutely outstanding on Saturday. 
Yeah, uh, McGregor was excellent. Uh, as you were saying, me and Sean touched on it yesterday. He was such a, a driving force. And even if he didn't score, he would have been a uh, man of the match by a mile. Yeah. In that game, uh, the way he distributed the ball from the back was, was superb. Obviously, Matt O'Reilly had done really well in the number six role, but McGregor showed just how important he can be for Celtic in that position. And, and going forward, I think Sean said it, he spent most of the game in the Aberdeen half, which... <laughs> Obviously, it was June Park to Aberdeen's tactics, Tony, that you might want to, yeah. to give your thoughts on that. But overall, McGregor was superb. And just while we're discussing McGregor, I've uh, just put into the chat there, uh, Stuart Ross yes. uh, has did a data piece on McGregor's sort of record-breaking comeback, obviously the amount of passes, etc., that he had in that game. So that is in the chat now for anybody that wants to go on and read it and as a subscriber. So yeah, that, that's really good at breaking down the sort of cold hard data of how good McGregor was. Obviously, we could all see from an eye, the eye test point of view that it was excellent, but if that's your bag data-wise, you can you can go in and see that. That's an excellent piece by Stuart Ross. Get onto that, guys. Uh, it's, it's worth the read. Loved Angie's response to that question that he'd uh, more passes than any player in the league this season and, and, and said he's a bit rusty isn't he he's <laughs> just like absolutely deadpan is uh, it was tremendous but I think uh, yeah I, I'm going like that I am actually doffing my cap to Callum McGregor's performance on Saturday I just thought it was a I I wrote a piece after it to say that it was a kind of Hollywood ending to his kind of fairy tale comeback uh, Adrian and his strike was terrific as well and you know, just typical of the fact that I think a lot of Celtic supporters maybe thought they were going to spill two points. I don't know about you, but I always thought there was another chance in them. I don't know if that's the way they've been programmed and built to think with this Ange Postacoglu team, but even as the clock ticked down, I still thought they'll get another chance to win it. Whether they take it or not was uh, was up, up to them, but I always felt confident they would create one opportunity, whether that be a long strike at goal, as it turned out to be, or a chance for uh, Jackie Mack or something like that. So I felt I felt that Celtic got their just rewards. As for Aberdeen, I think summed up to summed up in a hyphenated word, anti-football. Yeah, just in terms of obviously Celtic first, and that it, it did feel like the Ross County and the Dundee United game didn't it? And that it was yeah. disappointing to be. Obviously, in both those matches, Celtic did lose goals rather than at the weekend, but it was disappointing to, for the score to be level going into a certain period in the match, but you were confident that either you were confident Celtic would still win or you were confident they would get at least one more opportunity, and there they did. And to be fair, that they had plenty of chance in the match on another day. That could have been uh, two, three or four goals. But, you yeah, know, it was, it, was, it was job done. And then, in terms of Aberdeen's tactics, I did a news hit up on it earlier, uh, earlier sorry, yesterday, I should say, from Jim Goodwin's comments on Sky, and he was defending his tactics to an extent. I mean, I'm not, ex- they're his tactics, so I'm expecting them to kind of come out swinging a wee bit on it. But yeah, it was, it was, must have been quite miserable from an Aberdeen's put, uh, fans' point of view. And I think he's seen online and a lot of sort of pundits' comments on the match that even if they had taken up, even if they had taken a point, obviously they would have been a wee bit more happy. But I, I don't think they would have been a. Uh, that delighted or hoping that that was a regular style of play they would have to see. But to be fair, Sean pointed it out, because I had mentioned yesterday about how Aberdeen, you know, it must be quite tough having to watch that every week, etc. But as Sean pointed out, they had won six out of seven games at home going into yeah. that. They were the top goal scorers at the, 
the, the week before the winter break at home. So I, I, they probably were uh, aren't quite not expecting Aberdeen to set up exactly like that. But then again, if you'd watched Jim, any of John Gooden's pressers, he was saying they wanted to play similar to St Mernard against Celtic. But the only difference being that St Mernard did actually create a couple of chances to score. It's good. Uh, anyway, the job was done in the end, Tony, that's all that's. Correct, indeed, and Celtic move on to Wednesday night where they will take on Livingston. We'll do a kind of full preview of that uh, tomorrow. But Carol Starfelt was speaking yesterday, Aidan, speaking about um, a myriad of topics, talking about Cal Mack. Uh, well, he was asked the question, could Cal Mack cut it in England? And he, he sort of said, well, I don't want to comment on a league I've not played in, but Yes, he's a good player, so he kind of fudged that, didn't he? I think that was in response to David Martindale saying that Callum McGregor could play easily in the English Premier League, didn't he? So I think he was kind of asked about that. So I don't think anybody's in any doubt about Callum's quality and where he could play, but he's a Celtic player, even he's gone nowhere. So there you have it. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there was that there was any suggestion to be fair mm. the question that McGregor was going to be moving on, but obviously they were just they were just pointed out that uh, that you know I think it was based off David David Martindale's comments. Yeah. He, he, he was said that he felt McGregor could go and play in the sort of top four or five teams down south. So Starfelt was asking, like you say, he didn't exactly uh, answer <laughs> it fully, but he, he didn't quite say no. You can understand he obviously doesn't want to be accused of trying to sell off the captain, even though we all know that's not what he would meant because it's yeah. prompted by the fact that there have been public comments made about it by a manager that you're just about to play against. But yeah, oh, oh, you can understand why he took that tactic, but there's no doubt <laughs> he could go and play. Look, he's a brilliant player, he can play a variety of midfield roles, whether it's attacking defensively or like he's doing for Celtic now, cover sort of both both areas of the midfield, even though he is technically playing a bit further back to number six. So, yeah, there's there's no doubt that McGregor could go and play at that level if he wanted to, but I, I don't think that's going to be happening given the contract they just signed last season, the fact yeah. he's club grabbed him, etc. So. Uh, sorry about the banging, guys. If you hear the banging, I've got people in. There's not a lot I can do, and I think they're directly below me, but there you have it. Yes, and also Carol Starfelt spoke about Alistair Johnston, Making a wee impact at training, Aidan, saying he was a good guy to have around. And from what you've seen at training, he looks a very good player and he's a bubbly character as well. That's always nice to see guys assimilating right away and, you know, your teammates bigging you up and saying, yep, looking forward to that competition for places and stuff like that. And, no, it's just nice to read that Alistair Johnson's kind of settling in and looking like he's enjoying it already. It shows the team spirit, doesn't it, Tony? Clearly, mm. you know, new players are coming in and instantly they're sort of clicking with everyone everybody wants them to do well. And that may sound a wee bit basic to an extent, but I think it's a really important factor and it shows you the sort of morale that uh, Andrew's managed to build since coming in last summer. So, yeah, no, that, that was positive and it's good to hear the new guys are sort of joining in well with training because for the next sort of few weeks, that maybe with the exception of bounce games, that's going to be kind of the extent of their contribution they're able to make just because of registration reasons, etc. So I'm, I'm glad that they are doing in training and I think a lot of people will be excited for I don't think we would expect any of them to be thrown in against uh, Rangers unless there was like a major injury or a illness crisis or anything like that but I think for the first game after Rangers and maybe going towards even the Morton Cup tie people will be hoping to see uh, Starfield and sorry not Starfield, Kobe Ashe and uh, Johnson 
get some minutes where it's off the bench or starting. So, no, it's, it's all positive from that perspective, Tony. And Carol Stafford also mentioned the fact that, uh, and it's a big thing with Ange when he signs players, uh, he said that Johnston was a good person. Now, you talk about you know, things like being basic, but, uh, you know, the managers touched on that as well. It's not just the player, they're bringing in the right kind of people and you, you touched upon that there. That, that team spirit seems to be instantaneous with, you know, they all seem to like each other's company, enjoy being in each other's company and, you know, that that, that strikes me as a real harmonious squad there. There's no cliques, there's no kind of us and them or these guys here and these guys there, which I love that kind of thing. I love the fact that they say, they talk about uh, players as, as people as well and persons and that they're, they're made of the right stuff and they're good people. I'm, I'm all for that, Aidan. Yeah, it's an important thing. I think Andrew said that before. It's not even always about them as a footballer. It's about them as a person as well. Like They could be the best player in the world, but if they're not setting good standards in training, they've, they've not, they're maybe not, <clears throat> they're affecting the morale of the, the group, etc. He's not interested, so... Yeah, I think the personality is just just important as a footballing ability for Ange. Obviously, ideally you get both, but mm-hmm. yeah. quite like that. But yeah, it, it all looks positive from a from a transfer perspective, Tony. And speaking of Carroll, Carroll uh, back on Saturday and he did very well. He didn't. I mean, he he did very well in terms of what he had to do, but he didn't have to do much, did he? But just good to see him back there and that kind of. Uh, relied upon and tried and trusted central defence alongside Cameron Carter-Vickers. It did make a difference because Majofsky and, and uh, Duke never got a sniff, did they? They didn't, to be fair. Starfield was really, really solid and as Carter-Vickers, as you call him, Carter-Vickers 8 or 9, he's always uh, he's always just he's phenomenal. I think probably not underrated, that's not the right word to use, but people almost probably forget just because he's so consistent all the time. Yeah. Uh, because he's not like a striker, if it was this, if you were sort of translating that sort of consistency into one of the forward players, they would be probably, you know, going into that going into that World Cup rate we've just had with like, you know, twenty five plus goals or something like that. But because he's a centre back But I he's a to be fair, I wouldn't worry about to remember that time there was somebody drilling next door. When I was in, so it's all good. But in terms of uh, Starfield, he was really good defensively passing. You couldn't have any complaints. And it's good to see him getting some consistent minutes on the pitch because we know how uh, good he and Carter Vickers were together last season. They were a really important part of Celtic being able to get that double. So the fact that he's back, hopefully he's clear his injuries now, that, that can only be a positive. Now, another kind of interesting one, uh, Aidan. And it's Celtic related, obviously, but it's it's Liam Scales, uh, a decision kind of made on him because he's due to come back in January. But I think Jim Goodwin was speaking yesterday; he wants to try and extend that loan. Do you see that happening? Do you think Celtic will continue to let him play Aberdeen because he's getting valuable minutes, game time, and he's playing? He's getting to know the terrain, as I call it. Uh, or do you think Celtic will recall him, or he ha- has he got any claim to? You know, to play in the Celtic team, or do you just not see where he would fit into the Celtic team at this minute? Uh, I think in terms of Liam Scales, it's it's a difficult one. I, I don't see him really fitting in at the moment. I mean, the two options would be centre back, where he's also playing for Aberdeen. He's not going to get in the centre back role come January. I don't think he would. Be, I think he'd be struggling to get in the squad right now, and that's before you're able to register Kobayashi 
I mean, they're talking, there's been rumours of even Stephen Welsh potentially going out on loan or something, and you would have to say if it came right down to it, somebody like that would be ahead of scales in the pecking order. In terms of left-back, I think it would need to be a major injury crisis for scales to get brought back there. He didn't play a lot last season. Look, I thought he did okay in some of the games, but he scored a, a couple of nice goals. But at the end of the day, he <clears throat> just obviously wasn't a player that Ange consistently thought was good enough really for Celtic. Based off based off my opinion anyway, Taylor's in obviously now, who's one of the most consistent players in the team, and we've got Burnaby as well, who's still finding his feet. But I, I don't think it'd be unfair to say that somebody like that's ahead of scales in the pecking order, who's obviously out on loan. Celtic spent quite a bit of money on him as well. So, and one of the comments mentioned there about Montgomery, who I didn't even mention here. So, somebody like that, if they were to come back, they obviously played a few games last season as well. Matter it was probably down to numbers, but when they were down to the bare bones in Europe and that, etc., I don't think Skills was really featuring. In fact, Ball and Goal even played a couple of games last season, didn't he? So, Skills didn't, didn't play a lot of football. I, I don't know what his final appearance total was, Tony. But there wasn't that many starts in there as far as I can remember. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he was to come back and feature. I think it would need to be an injury crisis. It's, you know, after the January transfer window, you're not able to bring any more players in for a period of time. I don't think I can see him really coming back and being a regular feature. I think it's more likely that he comes back and either goes back out on loan or gets a permanent move elsewhere. I think, uh, as you touched upon there, it's just hard to see where Liam Skills or Adam Montgomery would fit into this Celtic team at the minute, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a wash with talent, the Celtic team, and the additions that they're adding are, are coming in, they're, they're quality as well, so kind of shoves them further down the pecking order. So come January or even come the end of the season, Celtic going to have a dis- big decision with the likes of Liam Scales and Adam Montgomery. You say they'd put them out on loan again or maybe looking for a permanent transfer somewhere else. And Aberdeen have made no... A secret of the fact that they want skills. Jim Goodwin said it from day one, hasn't he? So maybe it is time to talk business with them and see where that goes. Yes, and Jim Goodwin said when he was at St Mon, skills was a player that he wanted to sign, but then obviously when Celtic came in, they weren't able to compete in terms of wages, prestige and that, etc. So it's somebody that he's been interested in for a long time, also thinks he can fit into his plans. And look, he's been doing okay at Aberdeen. Uh, he played a, a decent enough amount of games up until that break. I think it was more at the start of the season. Obviously, he got that red card against Tibbs. There was a bit of controversy about that at the time. But overall, I thought he, he, he did okay for Aberdeen. And I think you could see he looked a bit more comfortable at centre-back than he did at left-back. Even though when Celtic signed him, he had been playing left-back sometimes for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, so he obviously could, could play either side. But I think obviously... the. The aspect of being a Celtic fullback, having the you know, ball forward almost come inside an extra midfielder was something that maybe didn't suit him. And that's not a slight on him because there's a lot of players that wouldn't suit, regardless of technical ability, because it's just such a difference to what they were used to. I think we're so used to Greg Taylor, eh, Granovic, eh, Ralston, eh, coming in and just being able to play that straight away. But it's not, not like that for every single player. But I think... Scales will do fine and uh, career wise. I'm sure they could, if he was signed for Aberdeen, for example, could go there and have uh, a good career sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't see him coming back, Tony, and being a regular fixture on the Celtic team, to be honest. Bye.
sorry, there's some drilling going on there, and I'm just trying to type my speech in between some drilling there, you know what I mean? But uh, there you have it. Now, we will preview the Livingston game, as I say, but Aidan, we, we did our predicted 11s, and we'll do it again for the Livingston game. Just want to flag up that you, both you and I got 10 out of 11 for Saturday's team. I know, not bad, not bad. Haksabanovic for Maida was the, wasn't it? Uh, we had Haksabanovic yeah. and Maida started, so... I didn't know he was going to be unavailable, to be fair, so... Yeah, that was a late call on Haksabanovic uh, missing out, so, yes, so... I'll take 10 out of 11 again, Aidan, as, as we're moving along. I'll, I'll take 11. It's uh, one of them, isn't it? But uh, we'll we'll do our predicted lineups uh, soon enough, all, all three of us, myself, Sean, and yourself, Aidan. But we'll not give too much away then, eh? Not too much, Tony. Of course not. Yeah, and, but, uh, I think it's fair to say that Cal Mack will play. Eh? Yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> is, that, is that a fair assumption, yeah? Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, just on the, the topic of Kalmak, actually, since obviously we talked about his really brilliant goal at the weekend, it was superb. Uh, that was obviously Ange's 200, 200 goals yes. under Ange's Celtic manager. So, Sean has, it was up yesterday's mm-hmm. newsletter, they got emailed out to you if you're a subscriber. Uh, you can subscribe to the free newsletter, it then goes active on the site the next day. But uh, I've just put that in the, in the comments there. So, you basically, listen every goal so uh, it's a, a really good article breaks down the stats and that scorers uh, from across all the competitions so obviously the league last season this season the two cups last season this season Europa League qualifiers last year Champions League and even though we probably don't want to mention it too much a conference league so there's a comment a analysis for the sort of goals across the different competitions there so get yourself involved in that and again, I loved his comment as well there, Aidan. He was asked about, you know, 100 goals at home, 100 goals away. He said, what does it say about this Celtic team? And Anne said, we scored goals. And uh, he's just deadpan. It was brilliant. You know, it was it was just like, as if, well, that's what the game's about. You know, that's and that's exactly what it is. And I think that's, was it 200 goals in, what, 82 games or something like that, wasn't it? Or yeah, yeah, I think so. Roughly about eighty-two games. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, that I think that's phenomenal, and it does show you the kind of. And he said himself, "That's the team we want to be." Now, if anybody can't see that now, then they're not paying attention. And I think uh, since he's came in, I think the Celtic supporters will uh, be the first to applaud and say they've they've been wild by Celtic's play at times, their attacking play, and two hundred goals is no mean feat. And there's been some belters in there, some memorable ones. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Saturday's strike was good enough to win any game. And it came from a man who the Celtic supporters, you know, have taken to their hearts over the past while. And the, the right man to be leading the club in terms of yeah, no and carrying out the manager's instruction on the park. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, the thing is, he, he can do it all. Like, he's a great leader, a great communicator, but also a fantastic footballer. So, yes. It's all, it's, all, it's all positive from that perspective, Tony. And, and I think Ange kind of wonders, doesn't he, that what's everyone else seen when he gets asked these kind of guys about his team and, you know, and Callum McGregor and stuff. I mean, you, you just need to watch Celtic to know that they, that, that was the epitome of we never stop on Saturday. Yeah, I know that's yeah. become a kind of mantra, but they just kept going. They just, good teams find a way, don't they? Certainly Celtic are a good team domestically. And they and they found a way to break down stubborn defences like Aberdeen were on Saturday, and, and that is their prerogative to play whichever way they want. But 
for a team that's won six out of seven at home, I was quite surprised at the way Aberdeen set up because I didn't think they had any intention of trying to score. They, they went for a nil-nil, came within a few minutes of getting it, but if you go for a nil-nil, you've got to get it. And I think Celtic's superior quality told through in the end. Yeah, that then it just shows you really that that's why the team keep going to the end because they're confident in their own ability. We've seen it plenty of times under Ange, going back to games last season, you know, Dundee United at home, Ross County away, Dundee at home. It was a wee bit earlier in the match, but obviously they had to come back from getting paid back to two each. When Yakimaka scored in this season, we've seen it, Dundee United at home again. Must be something about Dundee United at home, Tony. And the Aberdeen game, there's been so many examples. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good quality to have. And if there is going to be games, not that Celtic didn't play well at the weekend because they were really dominant. Ange said that himself in his post-match, that he couldn't remember them ever being so dominant and playing so well, but only had been winning a game by one goal. But I, I think if you're going to have games that you're maybe, maybe not hitting the exact highs you would hope, if you're still able to win them, then... That's sort of how you win league titles, isn't it, really? The sort of makings of that. And it was really important to keep the nine-point lead, given that with Rangers playing a couple of days earlier, going into that Aberdeen match, it was technically six points behind. So yeah. it was good to sort of get it back to nine. I think in seasons, Aidan, you have pivotal games, crucial matches. And I think Petodri will turn out to be a pivotal game in the kind of title run in that season, you know, in the title shake-up in... Just that three points would, as you say, that kept the, the nine-point lead. You know, you could have dropped two, could have given your rival some encouragement, but didn't snuff the, that threat out. And I, I and Callum McGregor coming back, it all kind of fell into place. And I think that would be a crucial three points come the end of the season in terms of the momentum you can get from that. And But even Ange himself said that he wasn't too perturbed if they dropped two points. And I think that told you the mentality of the manager because he said that he's never seen a team so dominant. And yeah, they, they missed chances, which comes back to the the strikers department again, doesn't it? Do they need another striker in January? We've spoken about that and probably will continue to speak about that until they maybe bring somebody in or not. Yeah, and me and Sean touched on that a wee bit yesterday, just about how the only way you'd want to bring in another striker would be if it's a first choice that's going to challenge the two you've already got. There's no point bringing in someone who is going to sit and be like a third, well, maybe not a fourth choice, but a third choice, really, because it doesn't improve the overall squad. Andrews want the team to develop all the time. And I would like to think that it wouldn't take having to sell one of the, either Giacomacus or Kyogo to bring in that quality striker. I'd like to think if Celtic are really want to improve the squad, you bring that player in anyway, whether it's January or the summer, and then you've three really quality strikers fighting for that position. Whether or not they will or not, it's an odd discussion. Also, they've been linked with plenty of players in terms of forwards. Obviously, yeah, the South Korean striker Cho was somebody the, the club was linked with. Seemed to die down a wee bit. But yeah, I think it just should be all about improving the squad. That The manager mentioned at the uh, AGM about how potentially fan favourites would, would have to move on for the sort of overall development of the squad. I would like to think, just to, I'm just thinking from a striker's point of view, that I don't think you can have too many good players in the forward position. So I would hope that if you're wanting to bring in somebody else of like an equal, or you would hope even a better quality, Yakimakis and Kyogo, that it's not because they're being, one of them is being moved out, but it just depends, doesn't it? We don't, we don't know their workings and stuff like that. 
only speculate. Andrew Galea says we use both our strikers every game. Easy to rotate another one into the mix. I, I think, in, you know, if you go through Celtic striking history, they've had kind of three on the go at one time, haven't they? Mostly. Yeah, I mean, there's been obviously kind of recent examples. I'm thinking the double treble season that was uh, Dembele, Griffiths, and then Edward with his first season yeah. on own. Uh, other, uh, well, I'm old on you, and I can remember Charlie Nickers, Frank McGarvey, George McCluskey. I can remember uh, yeah, a bit before your time, indeed. Uh, I can also remember Brian McLeod, Morris Johnston, and Alan McAnally. Last season, to be fair, I know I ended up getting injured, but I guess there was technically three strikers there. I know all of them had injury concerns at one point, but I think it is something Andrew will address. I would just like to think that it would only be if one of them left that you'd be bringing another one in. Yes, indeed. Sorry, guys. Kevin Ferrier saying, well done, Tony. That's the first comment you put up. Sorry about that. Just just got lost in the chat, and I'm conscious of noise and stuff, and... I was just to see if it was uh, affecting anything like that, but there you have it. Uh, Kevin Ferrer also saying he's seen them all. That's all the strikers he's talking about. Aiden, you know, and Celtic have had uh, kind of three rotating. And I, my com- my thoughts are always you can't get enough good players in your team, like you just said as well. And I've always think like that too. So another first team ready striker, Aiden coming into the mix. I don't think would uh, would do any harm. And also help get the best out of the two guys that are there at the minute, Kyogo and George's Jackie Marcus. I think that competition would be good for them too. But we've spoken before about how others can maybe step into that role. Abada can play up front, Paxabanovic looks as if he can play up front as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, it remains to be seen if Celtic will strengthen. You see, lots of players have been linked. The romantic one being a, a return for Musa Dembele, Aiden. I think you all for that. You're a Dembele man. I, I think I'd said before, uh, Tony, I've got fond memories of Musa Dembele's time at Celtic. It was uh, when I was fifth and sixth year at school, so it was uh, a very a very good time. Obviously, invincible treble, double treble the next year. That was that first season, Dembele getting 32 goals, I think it was, and he scored yeah. big goals in Europe as well. People remember two goals against Man City, penalty and Mushin Gladbach against PSG. We'll, we'll not discuss too much what happened after the goal against PSG, but <laughs> uh, Dembele, was, Dembele was superb. I, I understand that I think his contract's up in the summer, so he could start negotiating pre-contracts in January. I think, unfortunately, Dembele's probably just too much out of our price range. Sure. Uh, and it wouldn't probably be money-wise, it would also be wages. I just... I think, unfortunately, that, that that shirt's probably sailed. I mean, I, I would I would love for Dembele to come back. There'd be nobody there, a bigger advocate than me. Uh, <laughs> I love the guy, but I, I think, unfortunately, that, that shirt's probably sailed. Tony, I don't know what you think, but he knew where the goal was, didn't he? Dembele, I love Dembele, and I've said that, and I've said it before. And it, it, my fondest memory of Dembele is not a goal that he scored; it's the pass he gave to Edward for the ball that ended up in the net. The three-two game at Ibrox. Yeah, of course. Celtic had ten men, and Rogers threw on Edward, didn't he? Because he knew he could win the game, and Dembele was just so switched on. He turned up as a big game player for Celtic, and he was a team player too. But his goals, his goals aside, were terrific. I loved him for that. But for that genuine moment of skill where he linked with his uh, compatriot, because he knew that they would get few chances with ten men, 
and Rangers were throwing everything at them, and he just had that clarity and of vision. I just thought it was a stunning pass, and it was just a brilliant goal. Uh, you know, with the ball, it, it came from kind of wide and and he didn't barely. And he's just first time, you know, blind, but knew his knew his partner would be there. And for that alone, I, I just thought that yeah, you know, uh, there's certain things that players do that just kind of yep, yeah, yeah. But I say all, all these goals are are terrific. I I like uh, I like Dembele, uh, but the, the thing is, I'd want that Dembele back. You don't know what Dembele you would get back, and I think some he's people been doing never go back, do they? So yeah. I think he's been doing okay. And in, in France, I know he had that spell at Atletico Madrid. I wouldn't want to call it disappointing because he picked up a La Liga winners medal. But <laughs> in terms of his individual play, I, I don't think he got a lot of minutes. But he probably didn't suit Simeone's uh, style of play really. But I think he's, he's did okay at Leon. I would admit that probably his, his best seasons at Leon were the first couple of seasons when he was there, rather than maybe the latter sort of year, year and a half. But look, the Melly was superb. I just think wages and that, he's probably decent to go to the Premier League. I know New, Newcastle's been a team that's regularly been floated, and I think he would fit in well there. And in terms of a free transfer, somebody that's got there, got Champions League experience, Europa League experience, goals, and now that he's been in the league on one of the top five leagues. Yeah. I don't think you could really get a better free transfer, to be honest. <laughs> Indeed. Now, guys, as Aidan said at the start of the programme, we do all sorts of things on the website and we post up all sorts of different content. And I'm going to draw your attention to this. And it's a interview and a piece that I myself and Sean did an interview with Claire Murray from the Kano Foundation. If you're watching, Claire, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciated it. And it just uh, outlines what the Kano Foundation do. You've maybe heard of the Kano Foundation, but maybe not sure of what they're about, what they do. But that article on the website tells you exactly what they do. And there's also a YouTube video where myself and Sean speak to Claire, and it's very enlightening. And it's it's an excellent piece. Uh, it's an excellent video if you wanted to go on and check that out or log on to the website and uh, read the article. You'll, you'll see exactly what. And you can volunteer and you can help the Kano Foundation as well, help raise funds for them too. Because basically they they take kids to football matches, Aiden, and make sure that they have a a wonderful day out. And it's uh, it's very admirable. I think it's terrific work that they do. And indeed, uh, it's a modern twist on the old going to give a lift over the turnstile type thing, Aiden. And I think it's wonderful that that tradition's still going. But you'll get a flavour for it if you watch the uh, watch the video on YouTube, and also if you read the article on the website. And uh, as I say, thank you to Claire Murray uh, for giving giving her a time and tip to talking us through what the Kena Foundation do, Aidan. Yeah, it was a really informative video, and maybe quite a lot of fans that have went to games, etc. They've obviously seen the Kena Foundation. Maybe it's with the kids, or quite often it'll get put up on the big screen, etc. They've got a, a specific report at a game, but to actually get the detail of breaking it down, it was a really good way to do that. And, like you were saying, Tony, if people's more their bags like the, the actual video, yeah, that's available yeah. as well. So, yep, yeah, no, I definitely recommend watching it. It's really informative. Uh, it was a really good interview, so don't get yourself stuck in if you've not seen that. Excellent. Well, Aidan, thank you very much for your contribution today at First Class. Cheers. Guys, thank you for your comments. Sorry I didn't flick enough of them up. My apologies for that. I must do better, I think the phrase, isn't it, Aidan? If you're at school, teacher, give a bit of that. But there you have it. But hey, we'll be back tomorrow to do it all again. 
then we'll preview the Livingston game and we'll get your thoughts on that. But always appreciate your comments, guys. So thank you. And I'll just direct you to the strapping going along the bottom, ticker tape. Subscribe to the Celtic Way. Support top quality journalism covering the club you love. Costs a pound this month. It costs a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website. And also you can get 25% off the yearly price, which takes it down to 26 quid. All for the touch of a button needing www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. A pound for two months of access to everything on the web or 26 quid for a year. You can't beat that, can you? You can't complain about that, Tony. Absolutely not. <laughs> so I'll tip my hat again to the World Cup predicting champion there. Cheers, the, Tony. The World Cup goat, indeed. Uh, I'll just lick my wounds and uh, take my tail. Wait for Euro 2024. <laughs> my tail firmly in between my legs there. And we'll, we'll just, uh, aye, we'll, we'll say no more about it, even as they say. But we shall see you all tomorrow, guys. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers, guys. Thank you.